Well, God bless you. I'm Ken. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm going to preach the word here for just a few minutes. There's a lot of enthusiasm still in the room, and so uh, I'm excited uh, to preach this morning. I'm excited to, to challenge you in the way of love, and that's what we've been talking about for uh, the last few weeks, and so they're clearing out there. <clears throat> and I'm excited to preach. A little last business, yep, 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 last business. That was wonderful, wasn't it? Amen? So excited to preach. Um, Do me a favor, if you would, let's pray. I love you, I love you. Lift your hands and say, I love you, Lord, today. It's because you've cared for me. Lord, you did it in such a special way. And yes, I praise you. I lift you up. I magnify your name. And that's why my heart is filled with praise. I'll sing it once you just tell him. My heart, my mind, God, my soul belongs to you. You paid the price for me. You did it way back on Calvary. And yes, I praise you. Would you just tell him I praise you? I lift you up. God, I magnify your name. And that's why my heart is filled with praise. Would you love me? Would you just clap your hands and tell him I love you this morning? God, I love you. There is none like you. You are my Alpha. You are our Omega. Hallelujah. This morning you are our beginning and our end. If it had not been for the Lord who was on our side, you are our champion. You are our hero. You are our Savior. And so we have come this morning. I pray now, God, that nobody sees that broken, that flawed, that sinful man that's in front today. Yet, God, I pray that your people will only see and hear from you today. Today, we're going to lift this concept of your love in this sanctuary. I pray that every ear is open to hear what the Spirit says to the church. And, God, I believe now that nobody leaves the same as when they came. This we believe you for in Jesus' name. And, yes, I praise you. God, I lift you up. I magnify your name. Hallelujah. That's why my heart is filled with praise. Come on, let's give God praise. Do me a favor. Come on, everybody. Hold that cup up before the Lord. Hold that cup up. And would you humbly say, fill my cup, Lord, and let it overflow. I want you to know that before I preach to you today, uh, it's important to me that you know Uh, that I love you. I value this opportunity to sow the seeds of the word of God into your life. Pray they make a difference. And today, in particular, I pray that the word of the Lord brings somebody a harvest. Good morning. I'm glad that you're here today. Today we continue our series on all love. It's all love. We started the series back in Black History Month where we discovered that love has been given to the church and to any people to help them go further and faster in their negotiations. When you and I choose love, we will move forward as a people, a family, 
and a culture and a society, love, as we establish, is the one, the only necessary vehicle sent by God to move us from here to there. The road to there, wherever your there is, can be rocky. And not every vehicle will get us there, but love has been proven to help us survive the bumps and the bruises. As Pastor Eric so eloquently preached the last two weeks, go back and get those sermons, in particular last two weeks ago, was just amazing. Last week's going to bless you. Uh, we looked at love last week, and we discovered that most of us want to give love in the way that we also like to receive it. Most of us look to exhibit love in the way that we personally want to receive it and the way we personally value and stand to benefit from the transaction. So today we're going to look at a different dimension of love and in particular one that has particular causes and effects. As we will uncover today, you and I together, because y'all going to talk back to me today? I would appreciate that. I hate to just talk to people for about 30 minutes. I'd love to have a conversation with you. As we will discover today, uh, for just a few minutes, here's my subject. Love tells the truth. Truth can be a difficult concept, and we are always figuring out just what the truth means in any particular situation. What is the truth here today? Truth, unfortunately, can be destructive. The truth can be damaging, and so you and I in our psyche are often willing to sacrifice truth for what we believe might even be a greater good. Sometimes we're convinced that a lie is the best. Truth is good, but it does not always feel good. Truth is good, but it may leave us in not so positive a light. The truth always brings us into the light. It exposes and because of that, you and I are often willing to bury the truth, discard the truth. And we're willing, not always, to pay the price that truth requires. You all heard that phrase, take it to the grave. Which means, don't tell anybody. Hold on to it. It's actually damaging to your psyche to take it to the grave, by the way. Truth, what is it, Pastor? It is the quality or state of being true, that which is true in accordance to watch this fact and reality. Truth won't let you live in some distant psychological land. It calls you and I back to sobriety. But the truth, though necessary, it can be damaging, it can be hard to handle. I got a video that'll prove it. Wanna run that video for me? Colonel Jessup, did you order the code red? You don't have to answer that question. I'll answer the question. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! <laughs> Jack got it right, right? <laughs> He's right. A lot of times, y'all, we can't handle the truth. I want to go to a text, the scripture in John chapter 4. Join me there. I've got just a few minutes where Jesus insists on highlighting the truth. The Bible says in John chapter 4, do you have it? You guys got it? John chapter 4. Now, Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. 
And although, in fact, uh, uh, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples, so he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. This is interesting. Now, he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. I'm in verse 6. Are you with me? Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from his journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone away into town to buy food. That's convenient. God orchestrated this. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Y'all don't mess with us. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks for you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Anybody want that living water? Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with. And the well is deep, by the way. Where can we get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well and drank for it in himself as did all his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone, hear me church, who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I will give them will never thirst again. Indeed, the water I will give them will become in them a spring of water welling up into eternal life. You're going to go from thirsty to being a well. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water. Somebody come on, say, glory, give me this water. So that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her. Go call your husband and come back. She said, watch this. Here's, one, here's our operative verse. I have no husband. She replied, Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands and the man you have is not now is not your husband. What, what you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Now, I'm in verse 20. Uh, I'm going to skip to verse 27. Are you with me? Jesus, just then, his disciples returned and were surprised to find him walking and talking with this woman. But no one asked. They didn't dare call him out. You know what I'm saying? They, you, know, you know how to do that. <laughs> so, with him, dog. You know what I'm saying? What are y'all? Uh, but nobody said nothing, you know. Uh, what do you want? And why are you talking to her? Then leaving her jar, this is so important, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? Messiah?" And they came out of the town and they came to see Jesus. Here we go, church. For just a few minutes in our text today, Jesus ventures into Samaria and meets a lady who herself is coming to the well, watch this, by herself in the heat of of the day. He is there because of what traveling in the heat of the day does to one's thirst. She is there also to cure her thirst, but much more because of what traveling, watch this, through the heat of indictment does to one's psyche. Both of them are there 
because of their natural need for water. But this has been ordained by God to be a spiritual exchange, an experience, and an encounter. And maybe for somebody who came to church today, the same thing is going to happen. This is her day. Look at your neighbor and say, is this your day? You didn't do it. Would you just look at somebody and shake them and say, is this your day? They are both thirsty and they find one another filling. In her, Jesus fulfilled his mission to seek and to save those who are lost. And in him, she found someone who in fact found her. Met her at the point of her need, gave her a way to escape. The foundation of this exchange, of course, is love, but it only works because love in this scenario has an opportunity to highlight truth. Just like any doctor, Jesus understands, I may have to break you to heal you. I may need to break your heart to heal your heart. I may need to break some laws to fix the broken system. Jesus broke with some traditions and societal rules in order to fix and to heal some of her personal pain and some heavy systematic and societal practices. So then, Pastor, what is the message of the woman at the well? The story of the Samaritan woman, also known as the woman of the world, draws you and I And to the great theme of the gospel, by approaching her, Jesus demonstrates, this is important, his care for all of us, regardless of our societal standing. One commentary put it like this. He needed to go through Samaria. Although the road through Samaria was the shortest route from Jerusalem to Galilee, pious Jews often avoided it. They did so because there was a deep distrust and dislike between many of the Jewish people and Samaritans. Jesus went that way because he uh, was needed by the people. And if you need him today, I want you to know that he's coming your way. The story is also encouraging because this gives us proof of two things. One, if you're sitting here today and struggling, the first thing you should glean from this text is he knows your name. You should know that you're not an enigma to Jesus. You're not lost. Number one, Jesus knows your name. Number two, what you should know today is that he's familiar with your pain. If you're here today and you're struggling, there's a reason you were here. Behold, Isaiah says, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save. Nor is is his ear heavy that it cannot hear you. And sometimes, y'all, we don't even have to cry out. How many of us know that God is adept to hearing our tears? And it shall come to pass, as Isaiah 65, that before you call, I will answer. And while you are yet speaking, I will hear. And then we can be inspired that when God blessed her. She went and told somebody. So here's my first point. My first point is simply this. You already know this. Love, church, tells the truth. And people who really love you will also tell you the truth. Love reveals, tells, exposes the truth. 
The truth then highlights facts. Facts lead us on a pursuit of the inner truth, the conditions that cause this to be true. Come with me to a meeting that I am often called to go into. I'm often called as a men's minister to walk into a room full of black men. And here's how I approach that meeting when we're talking about criminal justice. One, if you live in America, you live in a country that loves incarceration, just period. Two, if you live in America and you are marginalized, you are much more likely to be incarcerated than your white brothers or sisters. Now, those are the facts. And if you just looked at the facts, you would say maybe that marginalized people are more criminalistic than their white counterparts. But the facts don't tell the story. The facts require narration. If you look further, and I'm going somewhere with this, you would actually understand that the system is what is really criminal. Whatever sets the conditions for people who have less power to resort to things that we deem to be criminal behavior. I'm not saying that nobody marginalized is criminal. But I am saying that the system that sets conditions, denies people access, forces marginalized people to make tough choices. Y'all, that's the more criminal. That's the bigger criminal. Whoever made and manned that system, y'all, that's the criminal. That's the truth. The truth is not always evident on the surface, but if you dig, you find it. The truth can break us. But if we deal with it, it will also break some chains off of us. The truth often disappoints us. But it will also dislodge us. Truth challenges lies. Y'all, even the ones we tell ourselves. The truth is sometimes inconvenient. But the truth is always in order. We need to know the truth. We should talk about the facts. Facts do not lie, but they do not tell the whole story. They require narration, but people often lie with and about facts. In the text, the Samaritan lady tells Jesus, watch this church, she tells him the factual truth. She says, I do not have a husband. That indeed is the fact. But you and I have scope, so we know that that's not the whole story. We have the gift of perspective. So then Jesus takes her truth and ups her one. Jesus tells her the greater truth. What is really true is that you have had five husbands. And the man you're with now is not your husband. This is painful, but this is truthful. This church is painful. But this is factual. And love would have us be right here. Love requires this. This church is love playing out. Tell the truth. There is an old adage that suggests, watch this, this is why truth is so important. That God cannot heal what you will not reveal. 
That's why we need the truth. So then love and truth are necessary. And truth through love is essential. Truth then because of love. Love, y'all, here's what love does. Love establishes our here. Love shows us who we are right now, whether we like that or not. It makes us live in this moment with the intent of showing us who we can be. Love shows us where we are right now with the agenda of showing us where we rightfully belong. Love, church, is careful to establish our here, even if you and I find that to be painful, with the motive of helping us to get to our there. Love reveals that our pain is not our prison. There are better days ahead, but we must know the truth of who and where we are. Again, love is careful to establish our here. I understand nobody wants to be her in the text. You don't want to be the Samaritan lady, and you don't want to be here. So what you and I do is we often avoid the fact that we are here. We will suppress it. We have a psychology called oh well. Oh well helps us get past what 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 we regret. We just say, I can't change it and I can't die here. So, oh well, I got to keep going. I can't quit because I, I got to be at work tomorrow. So, I, I can't fold right here. I got, you know, the role, what roles, and they require of you. And so, they require sometimes that you and I suppress it, just move on. Or we dress it up in our minds. And so there is a situation, though, when Jesus will have you to bring your old well to the well. I know I'm preaching to some people this morning. And you got a whole list of old wells. You struggling with your old wells. And if truth be told, if you had the microphone, uh, 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 You're struggling to just keep it going because the old wells are catching up to you. You're trying to outrun your old wells, and they're catching up with you. Let me turn this corner. People assume that I am synonymous with where I am, but something inside of me knows that I'm bigger than this. I know I'm more than this, and I know God has more for me than this. Here is a sure way, church, come my sermon here. Here's a sure way to never get to your there. If you want to miss your there, if you never want to arrive at your there, I can give you a sure way. It is to underdevelop your here. Because if you don't develop your here, you don't really know the road there. You don't know how to get there. You've got to live in your here. You've got to know who you are. You've got to know what you, where you're dealing with. That's how you get to chart the path to there. 
We're good at saying, I'm going to get there. I have a vision. That's my goal. And the reason a lot of us never get there is because we're never sober about our here. You have to admit where you are. I'm going to give you a quick list. Hi, my name is Ken, and I'm a drug addict. I am an alcoholic. I don't want to be, but I am a sinner. I wish I wasn't, but the truth is I am a racist. I am overweight. I am the product of brokenness. This is hard to say, but I have experienced racism. I've been racist toward people. I am depressed. I do battle depression. I do struggle with mental illness. And not only should you know that, it might be good if you told somebody else, let somebody else in on it because you can get some help. I have been oppressed. And I've also oppressed people. I am divorced. There's a lot of old wells in my life. And, and it does me no good not to acknowledge them. I have been neglected and I've been neglectful. I do need to check my heart. I do need to check my motives. I do need to check my attitude. I have operated in jealousy. I have coveted. I have cheated and I've lied and I've stolen. And that's the truth. What's your truth? What do you need to let be true? What do you need to stop trying to outrun? What do you need to come to terms with? Conversely, I'm also kind. <laughs> I'm also gifted, I'm also talented, I'm also anointed, I'm also very loving, I'm also fairly intelligent, and personally, I'm also handsome. <laughs> That's what my mother thought when she named me Kenneth. That's what the name Kenneth means. It means handsome. I know she got it right. She's a prophet. She, she just had that right. In spite of all that I am, here's what I am foremost. I am someone that God knows. And I am someone that God loves. Come on, somebody celebrate that. I also am not dead. So God is not finished. <laughs> I'm a work in products. And God, thank you that your love is running after me. And I thank you that your goodness is chasing after me. I'm just about finished. I need to give you this. Here's what the psalmist said about where you are right now. I need you to hear this. No matter what you would put on that list, the good and the bad, and please be careful to put some good on that list, would you please? If you're not sure, ask me. I got some good things to say about you. I love you. I'm sure everybody in here Here's what the psalmist said. For anybody that's afraid of their old wells catching them, where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, somebody celebrate, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, God, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, Somebody celebrate with me. Even there your hand shall lead me. And your right hand, it shall hold me. Come on, somebody celebrate. God is holding me even right here. If I say, surely the darkness shall follow me, even the night shall be light 
about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide me, but the night shines as day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you, for you have formed my inward parts. I need somebody to profess this. You have covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, because even here I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are the works of your hand, and this my soul knows very well. Come on, somebody, give God praise for that. Uh, look at your neighbor and say, it's all good. <laughs> it's all good. So, the reason Jesus could deal with her and heal her, watch this church, is because she told the truth. She was willing to admit who she was, and she was willing to admit and accept where she was. So, how did I get here? It's good to know. Because when I get out, I don't never want to come back. So how did I get here? Well, here's the truth about how you got there and your old wells. It is probably some combination of self and system. I say self because I don't want us to totally exonerate ourselves. I'm sure that on some days we've been our own worst enemy. But in some scenarios particularly for marginalized people, you're helpless because you're not always empowered in the system to chart your own path and produce your own results. That's true. Jesus indicts her, but he indicts her en route to indicting the system. And this part was challenging for me because I thought that love kept no record of wrong, right? So if love doesn't keep a record of wrong, why you spit her rap sheet at her? Why you throw that at her, Jesus? Like, you, you didn't even get, you didn't even say, a, you had about four or five hundred, you knew exactly how many she had. Like, you did your research <laughs> so you could indict her. I mean, an about with approximation would have been good enough. No, you, you had your stuff together. Well, here's what's true, church. This ain't exactly her wrong. This is the system's wrong. Here's what's true. I'm finishing now. When you are a Samaritan woman, you're in prime position to be exploited, to be misused, and to be taken advantage of. Here's what's true. When you have potential, gifting, and no power, people will always come and align themselves with you so they can exploit your potential for their profit. When you are pretty, assume she was, but powerless or penniless, then you must make some decisions for survival that other people don't have to make. For sure you will be judged and you will be stigmatized but these decisions may not necessarily speak to your ethic. They may just speak to your instinct. Here's what I know. Here's what she knows. Tomorrow has the potential to be better. But I got to get there first. It can't get better tomorrow if I don't find a way to live today. And so because I'm trying to make it, 
I will make certain choices. I do not have the power to call for a unilateral reshuffling of the deck. I can't make them deal again. I just have to play the hand that I've been dealt. And I look at my hand, I don't have any aces. And I don't have any spades. Y'all play spades? Is that y'all's game? Y'all need some black friends, because we play spades. <laughs> y'all, if y'all got black friends, learn how to uh, play spades and go tell your black friends, let's play some spades. You're going to impress them. I'm telling you, you're going to impress them. You're going to impress them. Just walk in and say, I got four and a possible. They're they going to know what you're talking about. And, and, and they're going to say, you got four and a possible. Oh, shoot, come on. Right? They're going to they be ready for you. Some pro- sometimes everybody will profit off of you but you. And that can happen among people who love us. So there are some cultural references that I wanted to say about her. I'm afraid they may not translate, though. I'll try one. She, she's clearly desirable, though. She's an amazing woman. Uh, and she brings something to the table. I, I, I think I, she, she's tremendous, actually. I'll try one. If I said it must be jelly, would you guys know what, how to finish that? No, did you know how to finish that? Because jam don't shake like that, right? Anyway, okay, okay. I told y'all, I told y'all, it wasn't going to work. It wasn't going to work. Okay, I, I told y'all. I was trying, y'all. I said, and, and that was my kindergarten one, so I know y'all, y'all not ready for this yet. But see me at the church, right? I got seven of them, but if y'all didn't get that one, moving right along, uh, Basically, uh, she's obviously somebody, uh, must be jelly because jam don't shake like that. That's, that's the answer to that. Uh, so she's obviously somebody that people want. She's just not established as somebody that they want to keep. They don't want to pay full price for her. Full price would be loving her. The system's letting her down full price would be committing to her and staying with her. Full price would be taking care of her. Full price would be looking out for her. Full price would be having her back. Full price might mean that she's not even at the well. You went to the well to get her water for her. And yet... The, the system has failed her. So here's my second point, and I'm done. My first point is that love tells the truth. My second point is that that truth brings liberty. That you can never be free without the truth. Here it is, here it is, John 8. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth. And in the truth shall make you free. Therefore, 
says Paul in 2 Corinthians, if anyone be in Christ, they are a new creation, the old has gone, and the new is here. So for all of us who want to break out, who want something new, who want liberty, you're going to have to go back and deal with issues of truth. Because truth is the foundation for liberty. Love tells the truth. Truth leads to liberty. And that's the order. So there are three, and I'll finish like this, contrapositives in the text, three tensions in the text. That society would say this is a tension. Love decides not to care. It will not obey the established order. If love obeys the established order and submits or aligns to these cultural mandates, then love cannot find her or us, and love cannot heal her or us. Love cannot expose our truth, and love cannot expose, expose its truth. The first one, uh, Pastor Eric helped me with this one. It is a theological tension. Uh, Y'all know how smart Pastor Eric is. He, he knows this stuff, so Pastor Eric, help me with this one. And it is the tension between the Savior and a sinner. Right? Jesus answered, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The big tension in the text is that there is, is the seeing Savior and sinner. There is a natural perpetual tension that exists between those who, of us who are dead in our sins, but who through the blood of Christ are invited to be alive through Jesus Christ. In the text, the disparity becomes very clear. Jesus is not necessarily elevating himself, nor is he denigrating this Samaritan woman. But there is a truth that is undeniable in the text. She is a woman in need of saving, and he is a man with an agenda to save. This is there there. We have to establish that. It does not do any good if we do not establish that because we could not be saved if you and I didn't first establish that we are sinners. Amen? Because if there is no sin, then of course there are no sinners. And if there is no sin or sinners, then there is no need for redemption. And if there is no transgression against God, then there is no need for Jesus to come and have a resurrection. The truth is that she is a sinner and that he is a savior and those have to be established. And who you are and where you are and what you are, it has to be established. That if you are not established as someone who is broken, then you do not need healing. But you and I should cry out to God and say, it's me, it's me, it's me, oh Lord. I'm standing in need of your help and your blessing. You and I cannot act like we do not need God. We cannot act like we got it together. The second tension, Pastor Jody helped me with this one, is the tension between male and female in the text. And, and that this meeting that takes place at the well, and Pastor Eric and I talked about this, Pastor Jody, is that in some circles, and in the circles where I came from, in the circle where I ministered 15 years, this was always a roadblock for me. This was always a stumbling block. The thing I do best for the kingdom is counsel. 
And I was always told, particularly as a pastor, that you can never put yourself in these types of situations so you can't really help women. If you can't set the conditions for helping somebody just so, then you can't do it. And it blocked a lot of good that I thought I could do. In fact, I repent, I regret having that archaic system not letting me live within it and give the best that I could for God. And there are people who would suggest that this counseling session never should have happened between Jesus and this lady because he was alone with a woman. And so here's the way that plays out. Um, I understand that there are safeguards that are in place and those are healthy because on occasion, I guess, things could go wrong, right? So if we avoid this circumstance altogether, nothing goes wrong. But if we avoid it altogether, nothing can ever go right. And sometimes the word we need, the perspective we need, is from someone of the opposite sex. And so, and so, so we can't be archaic when we deal with that. I lament and regret the opportunities and the people I had an opportunity to help that I wouldn't because I was trying to shun the very appearance of evil. I was trying not to put myself, and I knew my heart did, and this is a lively situation, and yet I'm letting an archaic rule keep me from doing what life would require of me. And so I pray and I hope I pray I'm not Laurie's only male influence. I, I wouldn't want to be that because cause, cause I'm not fast enough to be all that she needs in a male personality. I hope she has and she does. <laughs> People who can give her a perspective outside of me. I'll, I'll end it by saying this. The third tension. So Pastor Eric helped me with the first tension. Pastor Jody helped me with the second tension. And then there's the third tension of Samaritan and Jew. The cultural tension. And as you can imagine, I didn't need any help with that. <laughs> I understood that. She said to him, it does no good in the text if we don't realize that we're different. It does no good if we don't realize that there is a racial cultural dynamic playing out in the text. And she highlights it. And she says, why would you ask me for water? Because the rules, the unwritten rules said, the cultural rules said, y'all don't even mess with us. You are not even supposed to be here dealing with me because of the cultural rules. And I think that as we look as a church to blend and do, we would be ignorant. It would not be wise of us not to realize that in large part we're called to break cultural rules. That's what we're doing. Some of these norms, some of these things that are established what we're doing is we're breaking them. 
but not because they're not there, not because there's not a difference. She recognized that they had cultural and racial differences. And, 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 and I know it's true because after he healed her, the Bible says that then she, as a Samaritan, went into town and brought other Samaritans. Jesus didn't go get the other Samaritans because he may not have had cultural clout to go and get them. But this Samaritan that had a good exchange with Jesus, then she, when she found out, oh, this is real, this is authentic, we can be healed here, you can be blessed here, let me use my clout and go get other Samaritans. So if we want a blended church, we just got to make sure that whoever comes can have a good Jesus experience. And then they'll go out and bring other people because they know it's legit. So we got to make sure that nothing we do program-wise, system-wise, whatever we do, it cannot stop people from getting to Jesus. We got to have a Jesus culture. And when people feel it's a Jesus culture, you won't have to worry about it. Like the Samaritan woman, they'll go well and bring other people to see Jesus. Come on, everybody. Let's give God praise for his word today. I want, I want to pray for us because if you are like me, Um, there are some things that are buried and you just don't do with them. In some ways, that's, you know, healthy, keeps you going. Jesus could have blessed her in the exchange, but he required of her to go back and get her husband. He required of her to go backwards in her life and deal with some issues and we see this play out, too, in John chapter 5, where a man couldn't get into the pool. He has a messed up leg. At the very next chapter, Jesus encounters him, and it's apparent what his need is. His leg does not work. And it would appear that Jesus would just heal his leg, but Jesus asked him, can I make you whole? Right? Because a healthy leg can only go where a corrupt mind tells it to. And so in this scenario, and in John chapter 5, and in your life today, there's a whole work that Jesus wants to do, and it may require you and I going backwards. Go back and get your husband. I know you don't have one. It's just the way I can raise your issues. So I can, when, so when I heal you, I want you to be whole. There may be somebody here today I'm going to pray that maybe you don't even trust God with that. Maybe that's too big. You need to keep that buried. I want you to know the liberty God wants to give you it's good enough, it's strong enough, it's big enough. Listen to me, even for that. 
you can go back and get that and bring it to Jesus. He'll heal that too. Come on, let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for my friends. We thank you for this Samaritan lady because all of us see a little of ourselves in her. She's just somebody that not everybody thought a lot about. But I thank you that she wasn't lost on you. You had her. You arranged this day. And God, I want to believe. I want to believe that for somebody who came to Common Ground this morning. And, and you don't have to say anything, but you could just look up to God and say, God, it's me. It's me. It's me. It's me. This is what I've been looking for. I've been needing this conversation at the well. And I pray now, God. That somebody who came in the sanctuary, that what they really are at, God, they're, they're meeting you at the well this morning. God, we are at the well chilling with a cold glass of water. And now you want to do some work and you're telling us, let's go back and fix some things. Let's go back and heal some things. Let's go back and release you from some things. Because God, what is true for some of us, our old wells are catching us. And they're being harder coming harder and harder to live past. I thank you that love did not regard rules. Love re did not regard society and norms. Love says, I'm going to do whatever I have to do to heal you. And love's system is, I want you to tell the truth. And if you can, this morning but come to terms with the truth then the very truth that held you will heal you the very thing that had you down will be the thing that lifts you up I pray now God that every heart is being touched that you are having a private conversation this morning with everyone in the room and God you are releasing them from the things that held them down. Nobody's the same. Come on, lift your voice and say, I will not be the same. Come on, say, I will not be the same. I cannot be the same. God is releasing me this morning. Come on, lift your hands. I'm being freed right now. I'm being able to let go of that. I'm being able to be released from that right now, this morning. It is so in Jesus' name. Come on, lift your hands and receive the salvation. And the liberty that God is offering this morning. It is so in Jesus' name. Everybody that receives your freedom, come on, let's give God praise. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Ken, for your words today.